Assuming you're listening to this podcast on release day, and why wouldn't you? We are just a Phil Rivers number away from the draft. Get excited. This is the push-up. Welcome, everybody, to a new episode of the Pushoff Podcast. Yes, your favorite weekly NFL show that discusses everything that happened last week. While it gets you ready for the next, it gets you ready for the NFL Draft. I'm your host, Scott Hogan, and joining us, as always, it's... Dan clogging up the middle right. <laughs> okay, well, hey, clog, clog up something. Dan, uh, welcome, buddy. We're getting closer and closer to that NFL Draft. The days are ticking down. It um, is as I said, a little I picked, over two weeks. Yeah, I picked Phil Rivers. Who who would you pick here for uh, number 17? Who comes to mind? Quincy Carter, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> None of us uh, even pick current guys like Josh Allen or anything like that. It's the no, no. It's Quincy Carter for me. I 17 stays that way forever. May it never be worn again. Ugh. Well, anyways, we are still talking uh, prospects today. So we have the interior defensive line. Um, that's the group we're talking about. It's, it's, uh, eh, we got five guys I think we're going to talk about today, right? I'm interested to hear about them. There might be a couple of first rounders in there. Is there any elites? We haven't had any yet. So we're running, we're running out of those, uh, windows for elites on this draft on the 2022 NFL draft. Well, we still have kickers and punters, Scott. You got to remember that. (laughs) Amen to that. Um, and before we get to the prospects, uh, today of of the defensive line remaining as we've talked about the edge rushers let's talk a little bit about the news since the draft a few things has happened first one i want to talk about is what affects the first round of the nfl draft that is in just 17 days if if that's when you're listening to the show the saints and the eagles had themselves a little uh pick trade trading a bunch of picks back and forth this happened I think shortly either before our last show or after it, but we didn't get a chance to talk about it till now. Here's where it all boiled down. The Eagles are going to get the 18th overall pick this year, as well as the third round pick from the Saints and the seventh round pick from the Saints. All that's this year. Add their next year's first round pick and the year after that 2024 we're talking about now mm-hmm. you know and the world ends and they don't even get this but second round pick that's eagles getting all that for the saints to move up to get the 16th overall pick which the eagles had because of right this is the eagles pick because of uh carson wentz yeah it's not even their yes. pick from miami it's not even their normal pick this is their pick from carson wentz 16th overall they're going to get uh the 19th overall as well and a sixth rounder this year yep so the saints have now two first round picks in the middle the eagles do as well though still because of the dolphins first round pick so yeah all that uh did you follow it dan i did uh if i am the philadelphia eagles i am betting that the saints are gonna be shitty (laughs) um And if that's the case, this could very well become a top 10 pick for them next year. Now, Mm -hmm. there's a part of me that thinks the Eagles are looking at this board and maybe aren't in love with so many uh, players in the middle of the first round. Like, how many mid-first round grades are they actually giving out? Because they say, hey, do we we really even have three players we want to pick? Right. Because that's the thing we always forget about scouting is every single room every single organization has a completely different board and guys that are first round grades for somebody are third round fourth round for somebody else it's fucking bizarre it's all over the place so if the eagles are looking at this early and they go hey we've we've got like maybe six or seven guys we got mid first round grades on but two of them are at redundant you know two of them are wide receivers or two of them are dns or whatever it may be um we think we can probably move that pick and not lose the asset and uh, that's a great offer, honestly, for the Saints to to bolster that. Like, if I'm the Eagles, I'm taking that deal every time. That's a really smart deal by them. 
to get a second and another first and another and a third, like that's really fucking good. That's solid. Saints uh, gave up uh, kind of whatever the word I'm trying to think of uh, future picks to swap first rounders and get one of the Eagles extra first rounders. That's basically what happened here. But you're right. All that happened in the middle of the round. It's 12, 34. Yeah, you're talking pick 16 to pick uh, 22. No, 19. Pick 16 and pick 19. That's where all this is happening. And then you got the Chargers in the middle of it going, what the heck is going on? <laughs> um, and but yeah, by that same sure gonna... stretch, mm-hmm. if, if the Saints are looking at this going, oh my God, we have a smorgasbord of mm-hmm. guys in the middle of this. Oh my God, we won't be able to just pick one. There's like 20 dudes that we have with this grade. They might be saying, "Well, it's obvious we're gonna we're gonna knock it out of the park on two guys in the middle of the first round. Let's just do it. Let's let's make that trade. Let's trade a second, a third, and a future first um, for another first. I mean, really, it's a trade of it's really a trade of a second and a third. What's interesting it's a trade about of a it second is, and a third, and then swapping yeah. next year's first. That's all it is. Is we don't usually get pick trades like this no. this far ahead of the draft. Usually, if anything, it's it's hours leading up to the draft and they're saying yep they switched these around and it's at the beginning because they know it's going to be there uh both teams have two picks in the middle of this first round so that gives you a lot of flexibility if you really do like somebody that starts falling in the top of this draft you can jump up there and teams like the jets and the giants who have two picks there maybe they're willing to give one up in order to bolster their future in a first round yet to come kind of pick from one of these guys so yeah i would be I would be fucking shocked if the Saints trade up. The Saints need help in a lot of different places. If they wind up packaging these, like, who would they be going after? A quarterback? Right. And that would be dumb in this draft, you'd think. We haven't gotten a quarterback yet, but from everything I'm hearing, you you trade up for quarterbacks in the first round, but you shouldn't trade up for these quarterbacks, especially not ahead of pick, you know, 16 or 17 or whatever that you got now. Yeah, I, I keep seeing all these mock drafts, and I, I think it's, I think it's a little bit of hocus pocus. I don't, uh, I don't really believe in it. It's, uh, yeah, everybody's the ones that really have like pumping four up. quarterbacks yeah, like going the first top round 15. now. I Fuck heard today they're happening. talking about uh, Desmond Ritter for Cincinnati going like top fifteen pick. Like, yeah, what? I've also seen him. I've seen him projected at the thirty second pick. I've seen him projected in the third round. It's so all about he's where. All over the place. You get closer to the draft that, like, remember Baker Mayfield? We would never would have thought first overall pick, but you fall in love with the quarterback, and if you need one, which a lot of those teams need one, we'll see. I still say more more go in the first than are supposed to, as we'll talk about quarterbacks. Yeah, but we're one of the things we're seeing this year is there's all there's a decent amount of substance. There's not a lot of sexy. You know, and so quarterbacks are kind of a synthetic sexy where you go, oh, we got a quarterback, though. Isn't that sexy? And you look at the guy yeah. and you're like, it's Brock Osweiler. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, oh, how many Vikings fans are excited about Kellen Mond, who never saw oh. the field last year? Fuck yeah. You know, people get people fall in love with quarterbacks because they are pure potential. This mm-hmm. is not really a pure potential draft. This draft has a lot of like. I do an adequate to above average job. Like, that's what we're seeing across the board. Even the guys we have slated as, like, top 10, top 5 picks. You know, Aiden Hutchinson is like, you're going to be very good. Do I ever think Aiden Hutchinson's going to win a Defensive Player of the Year award? No, I don't. You yeah. know, but I think yeah. he's going to be good. I think he's going to be solid. So that's what, well, that's, and that's what we've been talking about with these drafts uh, so far. No one's talking about, uh, yeah, you haven't brought up an elite yet. So we want to see. Um, but the, these type of pick trades, that's what gets gets me excited here for oh, yeah. this NFL draft that's just a few weeks away. Um, it tells you that it's happening. It's on its way. Uh, real quick, too, Stefan Diggs got money, got a bunch of money. This is the offseason for wide receivers to get paid. Uh, four years, $104 million, $70 million guaranteed. I mean, he you you pay the guy for what he's done and and even future stuff he's not really i'm not seeing a downtick from him yet but and he gets to stay in buffalo and buffalo loves him and he loves it there um whatever his problem was in minnesota i'm glad he's found a good better spot i'm more interested in wide receivers and the money they're getting does this mean they are the gosh maybe third most important position on your team like especially if you have a good one well no 
Um, it just mm. means that this is it's the same thing when you get a run on a certain position in the draft. Guys get real skittish, but the market will reset itself. You know, okay. You maybe I'm saying this because we traded Jamar, uh, Amari Cooper for peanuts, but most of these <laughs> most of these deals at their core are always just three year deals. They're they're just three year deals. That's all they ever really are. I will say this digs one takes him, even though it's a you know it's a four year extension basically. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is only a four year deal entirely because after that we talk we talked about this a lot. What your cap hit versus your dead cap is and the likelihood that you're going to go um, in year three. His cap hit is twenty six. His dead cap's twenty five. No sense in doing anything there the next year's cap hits 26 dead caps 18 still unless you're going to june 1st the guy doesn't make sense but by year five the start of year five he's got a cap hit of almost 30 million dollars with a dead cap of 10 you gone that's not yeah, happening plus you're, you're not making 27 million oh, yeah it's not happening gotta be 30 plus by then too and he'll be 33 yeah. oh yeah they'll plan that out pretty Pretty counted wise, yeah. And all of these uh, front office guys know exactly when to expect the, their top players to start ticking down and where they're not worth the money and to get out of the contract. So you're right, too. We we applaud these guys for their big money, and then you go, well, a lot of this is a joke. <laughs> it's to show. Look at that big number, and we'll see so how much of it you actually earn. <laughs> those fully guaranteed deals. Deshaun Watson is going to get all of that money. That's true. That's true. the The quarterback fully guarantees, and well, we had a isn't wasn't a, um the new Raiders wide receivers wasn't his fully guaranteed? They're not fully. It's close. It's close. Okay. It's very very close. Um. Okay, we're moving on to the uh, somber news of the week, and that was that you know, we lost Dwayne Haskins. This this broke yesterday when as of recording Saturday morning. Um. 24 years old, QB of uh, currently the Pittsburgh Steelers. He was drafted by the then, I can say it, Redskins. I believe it was mm-hmm. still at that point. And uh, Ohio State uh, quarterback. He was their top. He was their starting quarterback for multiple seasons, I believe, for Ohio State. Just the one. Oh, okay. Just coming Just out of the one. Just the one. Thank he was a, um, a one-year wonder in college. He was walking running he was trying to cross an expressway got hit by a truck and that was the end of it unfortunately uh and the only other th- yeah so we'll start there um i i broke the news to you dan because you know i have that itch to always break news to you and you you do the same to me but anyways Dwayne haskins i we were talking a little bit before the show and i this one hit me particularly hard and i you would think from everything you know about me this would be an absolute non-issue. Mm. He's a Ohio State quarterback. I'm a Michigan fan. He's a former Redskins first-round pick. I'm a Cowboys fan. Mm. But I think, I don't know, maybe becoming a father has made me soft. The idea that a 24-year-old man, say what you will about his career, that he didn't live up to the hype. I mean, he was, to talk football a little bit, he was an overinflated prospect with a lot of mm. natural ability. Probably should have gone in the second round, but the Redskins fucked it up and they, they took the guy too high. That's the way it goes sometimes. A lot of talent, a lot of ability. Couldn't really get it together. He was a young, young man. When he was drafted, he was 21 years old. Scott, do you remember what you were up to when you were 21? <laughs> nothing good. <laughs> yeah, nothing good. Same here. I For some reason, I don't know what it was, but it was the idea that at 24 years old, thinking that what if I had been hit by a truck at 24 I yeah. I think you'd be able to say what what a waste of talent mm-hmm. <laughs> and no, I don't know why that hit me so hard but it was like if I had died at 24 people would have said oh what a waste what a potential waste what a yeah. what could have been uh, you know the guy was married recently married um, for some some reason, 24 years old kind of seemed like he was getting it back together. A backup for Tomlin. He was definitely going to be competing for that starting job with Mitch Trubisky yeah. there in Pittsburgh this year. You know, this was a kid that had a chance to really put it together. And by all accounts, he was doing much better. Ron Rivera did what he needed to do and move him out because he wasn't mature enough. But mm-hmm. Tomlin took him under his wing. He was making steady progress. He was moving his life in the right direction. And then, boom, it happened so quick. Um you don't have a lot of time. You don't have a lot of time, and you 
and I know that it feels some people would say toxic to be like, well, your life isn't about productivity, but at the end of the day, it is at the end of the day. It is, it is about productivity. What do you produce? And it doesn't have to be things. It doesn't have to be money, but what do you produce? What experiences do you produce for other people? What love do you produce? What people do you produce and put out into the world? What vibes do you do? And at 24, you haven't been able to really do that. And so it seemed like such squandered potential, not just for talent, but for life. There was so much more that this kid could have done with the right tutelage, with the right mentorship. It, it's sad from a human perspective. Um, and I don't yeah. know why it hit me so hard, but it really did. Um, Dwayne Haskins at 24. 24 is way too young for anyone ever. And uh, just a, a sad, sad way to go. You know, and I'm I'm glad you have those feelings and stuff like it and because we're a you know football podcast but that you can you know having a, a touching emotional uh feeling to it is great whereas you have uh people who their job is for it and i wrote down what Schefter's insensitive tweet said oh, fuck. this yeah, that guy had quote ups and downs of his career like that's is that needed we all know who he, you don't know who he is you look him up and you can you can read about his career you don't need to put it in that little you know, breaking news tweet about his passing, you know, his very unfortunate passing of a young, young man. So you, I agree with you. It's lost potential. That's what it is. If of not straight, just football, but his life. And it's anything like that is sad. I, I feel like you're going to feel like that anytime you hear about a death of somebody younger than yourself, probably. And so that means you'll just be hearing it more and more as we grow older. Let's let's hope, you know, and pray that it's uh, you hear about it, and it's not it's not those close to you, the ones you love. Um, okay, well that's the bummer part of the show. Before we hit the interior of the defensive line, let's talk about the rumor about Tom Brady and Miami Dolphins. This is fun. <laughs> uh, I brought it up to you before the show, and you weren't too sure about it. So let me recap to those people that are. St- that are listening going, what is they talking about? This came up this week. I, it's a rumor, so there's nothing I think that I can say is true about it, but it seems like, I don't know, with anything that comes up like this, it's pretty interesting. The talk was that when Tom Brady retired from Tampa Bay, and we remember that, that wasn't too long ago, it was this same offseason, it's been a busy one. Throw another uh, quarterback carousel wrench into the whole thing and say Tom Brady was planning on heading to Miami to be the Dolphins starting quarterback and part owner part owner of the Miami Dolphins so looking like he maybe had a way in to the you know start to control the league in a way as I think Tom Brady would love to do that was that's the rumor that he was retiring in order to do that. When that didn't take off, uh, due to only because of the lawsuit that Brian Flores uh, put on the Dolphins, that happened in the midst of this. So Miami decided the Dolphins decided this probably isn't going to be a good look. They pulled out of that, and this is why we have Tom Brady returning to Tampa. We have Bruce Arians going, I got to get out of here. And uh, he gets a, you know, quote-unquote promotion to, to lose his uh, head coaching job. So that's that's the rumor here of why why we had Brady leave and return to Tampa in that short amount of time. I don't think I've ever seen an ownership group like their starting quarterback less than Miami with Tua Tungvaloa. Like, right? The nonstop stream of like, well, what if we just hired a man off the street? What, what do you think about that? What if we just hire a fucking homeless man and have him, uh, you know, throw fucking sand into his eyes and see if he can take the team? Because uh, we clearly don't believe in this kid. I don't know what the fuck Miami is ever doing. I understand that it could be attractive to own part of the Miami Dolphins because it's in Miami and it sounds fun. Um, I've never been to Miami. I really need to go because uh, I hear there's a lot of excellent looking women and Cuban sandwiches, um, <laughs> both of which are, are things I enjoy. So I, I don't I don't understand why Miami is so fucked up, but the, God, they are nonstop fuckery. This, it's been like a 10 years of nonstop fuckery at the quarterback position. Just back to a, 
You've already loaded him up with all these weapons. Just fucking see how it goes. Just give it a year. And if you watch that in a year, I, everybody around you will be like, you got to do something else. And man, what a great spot to land if you're a free agent quarterback. Sure. And, uh, gosh, first of all, though, owner slash quarterback, I don't, that, when we talking, who was doing that back in the, uh, old glory days, gridiron forties? There was oh, a few guys. Oh, you talking about, uh, well, it wasn't he wasn't quarterback. Oh, I guess he was quarterback, but it was uh, George Hallis. Okay, yeah, I was like I, owned the Bears. I couldn't think of his name, yeah, but um, going back all the way back then, it's and you know I could just see Tom Brady being like, "That's what I want." Me and him, me and George Hallis had done that. And then what's the next thing I can take? So that's the part of the story that's like, okay, I could see it. I wonder, I don't know when Mike McDaniel, the new head coach of the Dolphins, came into the mix. Uh, I'd like to see a timeline of was he going to be part of this decision too. Because like you said, it's been 10 years of screw around with your quarterback position for the Miami Dolphins or however long since Marino left basically. Wouldn't Tom Brady for you know a year or two make that feel like it went away for a bit? Because <laughs> who knows if two is the fix. Uh, they say it is now, but we'll see. Um, yeah. yeah, we have no idea. They have no idea. Right. And then also for it to mean that Bruce Arians had to leave his job, you know, there is something to that too, that Bruce Arians stepping down shortly after Tom Brady decides to unretire. It, it just feels a little too coincidental. So those are probably connected in some way. That's not, uh, I, I don't think that's reaching too much that it's like one of us will be able to stay here and it's, it's either you or me, buddy. Yeah. Um, and when he decided to leave, Arian's like, yeah, that's fine. Let me give it a shot. And when he came back, he's like, fuck it, man. I'm out of here then. Fuck this yeah. shit. This sucks. So interesting. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see how Tom Brady and the Buccaneers and, and yeah, Dolphins, all that stuff happened this year. Now, let's hit the defensive line. Let's hit the defensive line, Dan, because you got five guys you want to talk about. Uh, we spent plenty on the news. So, hey, start it right off. Who is the first guy on this list that we want to go over? So the first guy on this list, uh, let's just get the biggest individual out of the way <laughs> right off the bat. Uh, we are going to be talking about Jordan Davis out of Georgia. Yeah, the, you're talking big, six six. I put him down for three forty one. Yeah, that's a that's a large boy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's safe to call that gentleman large. Um, it was interesting watching his film. This is somebody who almost seems like he is he is very light on his feet for a big man, but I don't know if he's generating as much power as he could because he doesn't bend shit. When mm. he when he is rushing, he's basically standing straight up and pushing with his fucking calves. It's <laughs> insane. No, he's got big ass calves, he's got big ass legs, he's a big fucking dude, but his technique is not great. Um and you see for a man his size, he is kind of on his, on the ground far too often. He gets leveraged far too easily because he plays so high. You know, if you're six foot six and you're 340 pounds, if you drop that ass, you're not going anywhere. And you're pushing straight into the backfield. Too often I would see I mean, he's got good hands, so mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to, once again, anytime somebody has like a first-round grade and I don't love them, uh, I tend to talk shit about them, but this guy is still a late first round pick in my mind. So let's okay. get into some of the things that are good about him. Number one, at six foot six, three forty, he ran a four eight. I mean he <laughs> ran a four seven eight, but that's four eight combine. That's fucking crazy. Yeah. Athletically, this kid is out of this world. Should probably lose ten to fifteen pounds and might get some of that explosion back, but he very, very much needs a coach that doesn't think he's the most impressive physical specimen that he's ever seen before. Um, I, I, I saw a, an analogy. They said, oh, this guy's like Haloti Nada. Fuck no, he yeah. isn't. No, he oh, isn't. Okay, he, I got that one. Uh, yeah, he doesn't remind me of Haloti Nada at all. Um, okay. Vita Vea reminded me of Haloti Nada. Mm-hmm. And that's not just because they're both Polynesian gentlemen. They played the same way. Jordan Davis doesn't play that way. Jordan Davis reminds me of a probably too heavy Calais Campbell. Oh, okay. Except he's not, Which ne- is not nearly as tall, right? Well, 6'6". Six, six. As Calais? Yeah. He's How tall is... He's 6'6". Six, six. Wow. Calais okay. Campbell, I believe, is 6'7". Okay. Um, so, the other... But, oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
but Calais Campbell is lean, and mm. Jordan Davis is not lean. Jordan Davis is a big old boy. Other so, uh, sorry, Calais Campbell six eight. Other comparisons I saw was uh, Derek Brown for a recent one. Okay, and uh, Bleacher Report had John Henderson. John Henderson's a good one too. John Henderson. Well, I guess we're just talking former Jaguar D lineman. Talking real uh, big, but, yeah, D lineman. But John Henderson was also fully muscled out. Jordan Davis is not fully muscled out. Uh, Jordan Davis still needs to pick one way or the other. He needs to either lean up uh, or fucking squat up boy. and just yeah, go full big boy. If he goes full big boy and adds another like ten pounds of muscle. This is a zero. This is a one technique that's not going anywhere. But he still needs work from a technique standpoint because he's been able to win with just big body. You know, he's been able to win by just putting his hands on guys. And the, the hands are good. That's that's what I will say. He's got really good hands for a man his size. Um, he's got good feet. Once again, very light on his feet for a man that size. But he doesn't break down. His knees doesn't have a ton of lateral quickness that I can see, which is which is tough. So he's he's not bending, he's not using the leverage that he should be getting to generate that power. And at a pro level, when other dudes on the line are six foot five and have leverage, that's gonna create a problem for you. So to me, all of the abilities that, I did see one that ranked him as a boomer bus pick, and I gotta agree with that. Because mm. this is a guy that you take in the late first round thinking, maybe I can put something together. Because if you do, you put something together, then you maybe do have a Calais Campbell. You do have a absolute plug in the middle that can play for 10 years, um, and you can just occupy two offensive linemen the whole time. He was occupying two offensive linemen in college, but that's what happens when you're 6'6", 340. To do that in the pros, you have to earn it. And if he does, man, what a what a gap filler. He can play a 0 or a 1. There's not a lot of availability for him to play a three or move outside in a three-four, um, but yeah, this guy is a zero or a one. If he can either gain weight or lose weight, he could move inside to a three if he lost some weight. If if and and buts if he's going in the yeah. first round and even like you said late first round, they're going to want him to be a at least a guy in a you know in a group like coming in and out of this game and and playing some in the game sure what position would you put him in day one day one what he would be he my now? zero Two? or my one. Oh, okay no so he's still a, forcing yeah, it you're just saying he needs to to bulk up or put even more weight on in order to take over two guys well he just basically. needs to decide what what he wants his body to be if okay. he wants his body to be if he wants to be a D-tackle, if he wants to be a 0 or a 1 that is fucking tremendous, he's got to add more weight. If he wants to move inside and be a guy that plays more snaps, because as a 0 or a 1, he played less than a third of the snaps, which is crazy. Like, this is a guy that should have been on the field way more often than he was, but he was used as a run stuffer, didn't have a ton of pass rush ability. Um, and so that, that keeps you off the field, especially in the modern NFL you're not on the field all that much. So if you can't generate a pass rush, you're just a zero or a one, you're not going to make a lot of money long term. Yeah. So you're yeah, you're saying late first. Honestly, mock drafts are mostly putting him in the middle, probably top half of the draft, uh, maybe fall like 17 to the Chargers, something like that. But uh, yeah, usually, yeah, not usually top 10, but uh, almost obvious first defensive tackle position player to go. Almost obvious, I, and there's so I far. Disagree. Okay. So I don't think he was the best D tackle on his team. Oh no. I oh, I actually think Devontae Wyatt is a better defensive tackle prospect than he is. And he's straight in, out. Yeah. In the draft too. He in fact his uh the mock drafts are having him go first round as well. First round excuse me, talent, but later than Jordan Davis right now. Yeah, But you're now saying you would, you'd rather have Wyatt? I would. I would rather have Wyatt straight up because Wyatt is probably, he's not a better athlete because, I mean, Jordan Davis's body is just fucking insane. Um, but he's a guy that fits more schemes and allows for more position flexibility right now. You could play okay. Wyatt at the three, you could play him at the two, you could play him at the one if you had to. 
You could move him outside to a five technique and a three four. He's got a lot of position flexibility where Jordan Davis doesn't. And mm-hmm. when you don't have that much position flexibility, somebody's either going to fall in love with you and stick you in a spot, or if you can do what Jordan Davis does, uh, or sorry, Devontae Wyatt does, you can have a lot of versatility. And I go, hey, I know I'm getting a good prospect to help me on two-thirds of my snaps rather than one-third of my snaps. Okay. But uh, Devontae Wyatt was not one of the guys you had on your list to discuss this evening. Who is the next one after Jordan Davis? The next one is a very interesting prospect in my mind, a gentleman named DeMarvin Leal. This is Texas A&M. Put him down for 6'4", 283. 6'4", 283. I don't know what, I really don't know what position this dude plays. Mm -hmm. I have no idea. Um, It's interesting because he played most. He plays (laughs) D-line. He plays D-line. Uh, he, I, he's not going to move out to an edge linebacker in a three four. I can yes, no, I feel no, no. pretty good about that. Um, he he's a big body. I mean, he is a guy with an. There's an old expression my dad used to use that I never understood, but then I started scouting football and I I understand it more. Demarvin Leal has an ass like a two dollar horse. <laughs> that thing <laughs> is enormous. It is enormous. It doesn't make sense for his body. Um, there used to be a waitress at a bar we went to that we used to say she has an impossible ass because that <laughs> ass just doesn't make sense. And it wasn't that it was great. It was just twice as large as it should have been. It's kind of the same way with DeMarvin Leal. The dude is just pure trunk space. Um, that being said, he's an athletic big booty boy. Um, and if you're going to be an athletic man with a large ass, there's going to be a spot for you in the NFL. Um, Leal has decent pass rush in terms of bull and power but doesn't have a great speed rush doesn't bend the edge very well which I think will keep him from playing a D-end in a traditional 4-3 high motor dude I I heard a lot of scouts questioning his motor and his work ethic I disagree I was watching film kind of non-stop on this guy and he was always in it there would be moments where he would get stoned by the offensive line but then he'd kind of recalibrate keep his eyes up you know, put his hands up, do what he needed to do. I liked the motor. Um, I don't actually, I don't have a lot of negative things about DeMarvin Leal with the exception of I don't know where the fuck he plays. That being okay. said, could be a three technique. He's a little tall for a three technique at 6'4", and being that tall doesn't have a lot of spot out of size because he's not plus 300. So he may have to move to the outside, but he could be a very impressive rotational D-line prospect but if that's the case, are you taking a guy like that in the first round? I'm that's not seeing that so far Yeah, in the mocks. In fact, uh, he was going pretty early first round, come like in, back in January, and then something since the offseason has hurt his stock and it's just drowned and dropped. Maybe it did he not have a great combine? I'm, I don't know, but uh, he's probably well, he going didn't. second. Okay, he's probably going second round, but not late second round. Pretty quickly, he's one of the top defensive tackles going, probably though too. The thing that After hurt the him Georgia in the draft, boys. yeah, the thing that hurt him in the draft or in the the combine was the fact that he didn't have a great broad jump, um, mm. didn't have a great vertical, which shows a lack of explosion. Um, and sure. then to have that forty yard dash be a five second forty yard dash is not great. So it. More than anything, it showed that he probably wasn't putting the work in and the work in the weight room. Um, but on field, I don't have a lot of questions about it. So to me, this is another guy that you you have to say, are we looking at him from a maturity standpoint? Because clearly, he's not putting that work in. You know, because a really good combine could have got Leal into the middle of the first round, and I think it's probably tail end first, early second for him. I'm yeah. going to go ahead and give him a late first round grade. Because okay. I love the film. I love what I was seeing on film. So if you need, yeah, you need a big guy in the inside that's going to help you rush the quarterback or, you know, plug up some rush lanes and you're picking late in the first round or even picking again in the second round and you, you scoop this guy up, Dan says you might be getting uh, some, uh, some, some cheddar for your pick there, a little extra. Yeah. <laughs> At Not least bad. on the back end. um let's continue who uh who's after leal here as we are almost kind of pushing our way out of the first round already 
Oh, we're definitely out of the first round. Um, oh, no. We are going to be – we're actually taking a uh, taking a stop all the way in the third round now here, Scott. Uh, <laughs> okay. There is a gentleman named Cameron Thomas out of San Diego State. Listen, we talk about a lot of prospects on this show leading up to the draft, and they can't all be in the first – well, they could all be in the first round, but where's the fun in that? So let's talk well, about it. They, they can't. We we talk about 60 More plus than 30. People. Oh, there you go. So yeah. they could all go in the first t- couple of days. But, yeah. hey, let's talk about Cameron Thomas. Now, Cameron Thomas, this is a guy that's probably on the outside of a 4-3, but still down on the ground on a 3-4. Is that kind of guy? So, um, for those of you at home that are listening, just a reminder of when we're talking about these positions, put your hand out. Yeah, uh, I like this. If you're... If you're Hand, and this is for people with five fingers, uh, so I apologize. If you don't have five <laughs> fingers, this is going to get very confusing. If you have six fingers, pretend one of them is a tight end. There you go. Um, so think of Lucky your middle. You. Yeah, exactly. Congratulations, you're chip blocking. So if you think about your middle finger as the center, your ring finger and index finger are guards, your pinky and your thumb are the tackles. That makes sense, right? So a zero lines up right on the nail of your middle finger. Right, so when you think about that, a zero, that's where that fucking guy goes. A one sits right in the middle, kind of right off the side of your ring finger, right between your ring and index, or your middle and index finger, and your ring and middle finger. So kind of that that gap right there between the center and the guard. A two technique plays heads up on the guard, or your index finger, or your ring finger. And then a three technique plays on the outside between the tackle and... Uh, the guard or your index finger and thumb or your ring finger and pinky finger. So that's a three technique. And then a five plays just to the outside of the tackle. So just to the outside of your thumb, kind of right off the side of your hand. So when we're talking about a five technique, that guy generally plays in... A five technique can play in both a three-four down front or a four-three down front. Um, A four technique is more common in a... in a 3-4, a 5 technique is common to both. Okay. Okay. Which, uh, you can you see this guy playing 4 and 5? I can see him playing a 4 or a 5. Um, I don't see him having any potential as like a wide 9 or a 7 tech. Um, okay. This is a guy that is a good run stuffer, doesn't have a, a ton of pass rush moves, just because he was m- more powerful than most of the people that he was running up against, but he also played at San Diego State. Um, yes, so he was, Aztec. Have we talked about an Aztec before on this show? I don't know. We haven't. No, we haven't. Uh, hey. wait, was What was Josh Johnson? Was he an I'll Aztec? look it up while you're talking. Go ahead. But uh, Cameron Thomas is physically what you're looking for. He's 6'5". He's about 270 pounds. Arms are a little short. He's a redshirt junior that had a bunch of productivity. Um, this is a guy yes, that was. had the sacks. Josh Johnson production. was University of... Uh, San Diego. But did we scout San Josh Diego. Johnson? No, we didn't. This is a long time ago. I was going to say, yeah, that um, would have been, yeah. But good yeah, cat. We yeah, haven't had a pull. ton of Aztecs. Oh, um, LaDainian Tomlinson was San Diego State. That's true, yeah. San Diego State. He has, State. We haven't talked um, about one on this show before draft. No, <laughs> no, I don't think so. But uh, this is one of those guys that I don't think he's going to have a bunch of pass rush moves, um, but was productive at the college level, will probably be productive in the NFL, is going to be a role player, immediate uh, sort of rotational guy that you can play on the end or you can play him in big sets. You know, if you if you run a 3-4 or run a 4-3 base, whatever that may be, this is a nice rotational player to have. He's got some potential, just, you know, physical body. He just needs to get in a pro weight room, and I think he's going to get better. Played... Like all the games, his whole college career there for San Diego State, he was yep. a starter and playing on all of them. Um, and, and oh, so you're saying third rounder for him? Mock drafts, I'm seeing have him in the second, pretty solidified in the second. I'd I'd say third, just because there's not there's not a ton of like huge upside. Like this is a guy that is what he's going to be. Now sometimes those guys go in the second round. But I think this is a third-round pick, and if you get him in the third round, I think it's a good value there. It depends on, yeah, because if you if you pile him up with edges, there's a lot of edges you can go before him. But he does something like you said inside that some of those edges you wouldn't be asking of. Uh, his NFL comparisons I put down NFL.com says Sam Hubbard, and Draft Network said John Simon. 
Interesting. Mm. Um, Sam Hubbard's just because he's a tall-ass white boy. <laughs> yep, yep, probably. Um, <laughs> That's pretty yeah, much but it. He, but he is, yeah. And, yeah, Cameron Thomas coming from San Diego State. Uh, it'd be fun to see him get drafted. Who, uh, after this one, do you want to talk about? Uh, after that, we are going to go to Zach Carter out of uh, out of Florida. Now we are going pretty far down the yeah down the list here later rounds uh, with Zach Carter, uh, six foot four I put down two eighty two. Mm-hmm. Sound about he's right. A, he's a big boy. Um, he's also somebody that you have this discussion. I think inside, with could oh, yeah. That's yeah, what sorry. I was saying. Insider outside, just like play that. Inside. We don't know. He doesn't know either. <laughs> this is another position flex sort of guy. He could add some weight, move inside. He could add some weight and stay outside on a three-four. But I don't think his, I don't think his future is going to be as a dedicated pass rusher. I just mm-hmm. don't think that's going to happen. His body is more of a. Uh, is more of an interior body. I mean, this guy is thickly built. He is a guy that, as he gets older, will add weight and can add weight to his frame, and it's nice, nice and sustainable. So it doesn't make a ton of sense to keep him on the outside when you could move him into the inside, uh, add that strength, take some of that quickness and speed, um, and move that shit inside. You know, could play a two, could play a three. Um, I think that's probably where he winds up living. Okay. Um Mock drafts have him later rounds, round three, probably round four, somewhere around there. Um, you're going other guys first, but uh, like you said, he's, he's a positional player that you can get use out of him. The comparisons I saw was NFL.com said Adrian Claiborne, and uh, they also said um, a recent Vikings draft pick, Jalen Holmes. I, I don't love the Adrian Claiborne only because Adrian Claiborne had such a developed pass rush set when he came out. Um, and Carter Adrian doesn't. Claiborne, no, he doesn't. He, you know, there's like one or two moves that he has, and then, you know, if you stone him, you stone him, and he doesn't have a great deal of technique either. So mm. he's kind of a blank slate. Decent physicality. There's not like an explode, like, there's not like a deadly athlete sitting inside of him. But there is a quality athlete with good size, good thickness, good stability. I think he's going to move inside. If he fights that, I don't think he'll be in the league for very long. Okay. So, um, we're yeah, we're in later rounds here, and I think we got one more to talk about. But before we do hit him, there is some earlier round guys and we didn't talk about. Like you said, you brought up Devontae Wyatt. I'm glad you did because, again, we got a, two guys about same position going probably first round from the same college. This stuff's happening more and more. You're not, t- you're talking Alabama wide yeah. receivers. Here's you know, Georgia running backs that happened before. Now two defensive tackles line up next to each other out of Georgia going to go first round. That's wild. Um, yeah. I also had uh Logan Hall pretty early in there from Houston. He's going to go maybe second, or maybe first rounder guy. And then there's a uh, Travis Jones Connecticut. Travis Jones is going to play tackle. Um, Logan Hall is an end. Okay, so you got some mix around there. Yeah, those positions on D-line. Okay, well, who's the last one you want to talk about? The last one we're going to talk about is a uh, a blue blood. He's a a son of a former player in in Chris Hinton. Chris Hinton, that's right. Uh, Michigan. So, yeah. He satisfies my Michigan fetish. Which yeah. Is important. <laughs> yep. We have a lot of Michigan guys this this year around it seems, but uh this one is uh a 64305, another big guy. Uh once again, needs to make a decision about how he wants to be big. Mm-hmm. Um I think once again this is a guy that should probably play closer to 320 and occupy a 0 or a 1. Um he's coming out as a junior and there's a chance he probably goes somewhere in the fifth or sixth round. I think if he had stayed, I mean, he's he's looking at the Michigan D line, going, "Listen, I lost, <laughs> I lost the two best defensive ends I'm ever going to have in college. Maybe Why I stick? should come out now while he, the iron is hot a little um, bit, yeah. and see what I can get." So once again, this is a guy that did not live up to his high school uh, pedigree. You know, like I said, he's he's the son of a former NFLer, a, a son of a former Pro Bowler, multi-time Pro Bowler, a guy that's in the Colts Ring of Honor in Chris Hinton Sr. 
So this is a guy that's had a lot of promise, but hasn't really gotten it done. That's what's that's what worries me a little bit. Is he he seems like he hasn't put the work in. And I don't want to I don't want to take away from Junior here and talk about his dad, but his dad is the guy who's part of one of my favorite I think stories of the NFL. Right, Chris Hinton was the guy who went to the Colts when John Elway wouldn't. Am I right? That was the yep, trade. That is correct. Yeah, that's a fun. You never get a chance, or you don't know what I'm talking about. Look up the you know the whole 1983 draft. John Elway coming out of Stanford. I won't play for the Colts. Uh, you better trade me. And they're like, well, we're drafting you anyways. I mean, same thing happened with Eli. History repeats itself. But, uh, yeah, Chris Hinton Jr., though, now, yeah, he is not going to be going nearly as early in the draft. I have him as a for sure day three man. Uh, so someone may decide that this is a guy that they can get something out of but I would say it's definitively day three, and you might see this guy going round six. Yeah. Like I said, because he doesn't have a lot of edge potential, doesn't have a ton of pass rush moves, seems like a guy that is maybe, you know, maxed out. His dad was 6'4", 300. He's 6'4", 305. And his dad was way stronger and better and more athletic at everything. Also mm. a former Minnesota Viking. So that helps yeah, him a little bit too. too. <laughs> so I chose, I chose Chris Hinton Jr. for multiple reasons. Number one, Pedigree, number two, dad played in the league. Number three, dad played for the Vikings. So, you know, had to throw somebody in there for you a little bit. Um, NFL comparisons I got from Draft Network was Isaiah Bugs from the Steelers. I don't know who the fuck that is. (laughs) He was was drafted late round uh, 2019 to the Steelers. Yeah, I don't know if he even still is on the team, but uh, that was their... (laughs) Yeah, well, and that's what you get with the later round guys. I'm glad they do that. Um, yeah, this is this is a guy. This guy reminds me of a guy who sucks. Like, Jesus, <laughs> really? You don't even have a name? No, just a sucky, sucky guy. <laughs> yeah, a place for the Raiders now, apparently. Oh, okay. No, so he's still sticking around. Um, but those. So that wraps up defensive line prospects, at least of the names we wanted to talk about uh, for the the push off podcast shows. Uh, we got them all down. We are trying to get through all of the rest of these positions that we got before the draft. It time keeps keeps ticking away though, and it's hard on us. But we're get, trying to get there, so we are planning on coming back very soon to hit up two more positions. Is that right, Dan? Mm-hmm. What positions yeah, so are it's they? It's going to be safeties and tight ends. All right, so we definitely you know talking about them tight ends. Maybe we get some elites. <laughs> Well, there is a chance at the safety position. I was going to say, not tight for, ends. No. Yeah, not, not tight ends. Tight ends, you're fucked. If you need a tight end this year, uh, there's a reason why guys were getting, you know, franchise tag. There's not a lot of not a lot of depth coming out here. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just get ready for that, everybody. Yeah, but you're right. There's some, there's some fun safeties to talk about then, too. And uh, it's just adding more prospects to our long list here that we are uh, getting you through before the NFL draft. So you're well aware of all these players, and you know you know when to get excited. Jump off your couch because your team just picked the guy. And uh, that's coming up very soon. So, uh, But we're wrap up for the for today's show. So thank you guys so much for coming and listening to our uh, episode. We do this one... Well, we're going to try to get it out here uh, much sooner for a new one, so keep it uh, here. And, you know, if you're listening on a an app, there's got to be a way to subscribe. It just downloads directly to your to your smartphone. This is easy. That's all you got to do. Uh, you can also subscribe to the, you know, the Facebook and the, the Instagram and the Twitter. We try to get uh, some messages out there when the new show drops. So keep, a, keep listening to the Push Up Podcast. We're very happy that you do. Okay, that's, I think, where I wanted to cover before Crazy Stats. Dan, are you ready? Oh, I'm always ready for Crazy Stats. Good. I, I got a couple of fun ones here. Um, this is one I think we're aware of, but it's fun to always bring up. The Carolina Panthers, who came into this league back in 1996, still have not had back-to-back winning seasons. But Oy. they have won the NFC South three years in a row, so sometimes you don't need to. huh? Still Not a great very, division, that one. No. Crazy stat, though. Um, uh, here's a question for you, Dan, one of these quiz ones. How many touchdowns has Tom Brady thrown in the first quarter of all his 10 Super Bowls? Zero. 
See, it would be something like that. It's one. He's ah. thrown one touchdown. And the way it's it, yeah, the question's worded, it makes sense. And it was with Tampa Bay too. <laughs> so it's oh, that that's Super right. Bowl. That's right. Uh, the New York Giants and the Jacksonville Jaguars had more interceptions than touchdowns last year. I am there's your Jaguar news. I am so sorry. Uh, here's a fun one. Julian Edelman took Jerry Rice's daughter to prom. That I knew. I knew that. And I one. think I, I want to say I think you have told me that in the past. And yeah, that one. And then this last one is a fun one. And I'm sorry, Dan, but ever since the Simpsons episode with Hank Scorpio, which is one of my favorite episodes, by the way, I love that Simpsons episode. It's great. The, the Dallas Cowboys have not beaten the Denver Broncos. It has been eight <laughs> tries, and that episode aired November '96. Uh, the Cowboys' last time they won the Super Bowl was January 96, and then the Broncos went on to win back-to-back Super Bowls in 97 and 98, so that started it. But the end of that episode, I think, if to put it in a pros- uh, in a picture for people who aren't Simpsons fans, but yeah, the uh, Homer was telling his old boss there that his, his uh, secret deep down was to own the Dallas Cowboys, and he couldn't do that for him, but he could get him to own the Denver Broncos. At the very end, the Denver Broncos are out front on his lawn practicing, and he's just so disappointed that it's the Denver Broncos. <laughs> yeah, and I'm sure you all know, that, yeah, know that Simpsons bit. But if not, that's that's the fun bit of that that uh, crazy stat. Well, it's not as fun for me, Scott. <laughs> and I apologize, but uh, it's still a crazy stat nonetheless. That's all I got, though. That's everything for this week. We don't yeah. play them this year, so I don't get a chance to undo that. I know you got. We're gonna have to, you have to break that through that. Uh, maybe Super Bowl. There you go. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody. That's our show, Dan. Before we leave, please some parting words of wisdom. Just because you might have packed on a little bit of weight doesn't mean you're a bad person. Doesn't mean you're you know fat or lazy. What it means is, maybe you just need to slide inside and play the three technique of life. If you find yourself not being as lean as you used to be, there's another position available for you, friend. You don't have to be lean and sexy. You can add some weight and still be sexy. So keep it sexy, fatties. <laughs> nice. I say I that think... as a fatty myself, so it's fine. Maybe, maybe we uh, have a uh, title for the show already. All right. <laughs> <laughs> keep it sexy, fatties. <laughs> Uh, Thank you guys so much for joining for another episode. I'm Scott. And this is Dan. We will see you next time. Have a great week and keep it sexy, badass.